Spry unit today. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to feel. Spry. Welcome to the Completely Unnecessary Podcast for Tuesday, June 29th, 2021, alongside Ian Ferguson. I am Pat Contry. On the show today, we have lots of good stuff to talk about. Um, we have a, a, have a, a article about an upcoming game console that'll be entertaining to go through. The Atari VCS is officially launched and has been reviewed by major outlets. We also have a, a Q&A, a Patreon poll topic. Um, unfortunately, we have to start with some uh, uh, tragic news about the death of, of someone who was uh, responsible for lots of goodness in the retro gaming and preservation community. Uh, their name is uh, Nier or Bu. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah, Bu was uh, previously known as Bu. Um, Nier was a, a highly respected figure in the gaming scene, the retro gaming scene uh, especially, and really left a mark when it came to SNES emulation. Uh, they were the lead developer of BSNES and uh, Hegon. And Hegon was the more technical side of it and bsnes was the more user-friendly side of it but they uh really devoted their lives to this and uh, a pursuit of um, precision and technical perfection in in their code in addition to uh that and you know kind of raising the bar for what emulation could be uh they were also involved in various other things that had to do with retro gaming i think the last time we mentioned them was when we briefly talked about the uh, Bahamut Lagoon translation that was released uh, three or four months ago. I think it was earlier in the spring. Unfortunately, they uh, passed over the weekend. They were driven to suicide by online cowards with uh, nothing better to do with their time. Um, it has been said when reading about uh, Nier's passing that for some people, the internet becomes... You know, some people differentiate, you know, in real life and online life. But when you are so associated with a scene that is online focused, um, your online life is your real life. And if you feel like you have nowhere to turn, um, it can take you down some pretty dark paths if you're trying to avoid harassment. I wish I had something better to say or more to say. Um, I know it's not easy to take a step outside of yourself and look around and see that there are people who care about you and that there are people who can help you. I know it can be damn near impossible sometimes. But all I can say is please know that if you are feeling this way, reach out to anyone, anywhere, you know, and and, and get some help. I, I hate having to say this. Um, I, you know, we've talked about this sort of thing at various points over the podcast's uh, lifetime, and I wish there was something better to say, but just know that there's help out there. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's always a tragic loss when, especially someone who's like a genius, um, is gone way too soon. Let's see. Yeah. I'm um, looking at this article recapping what, what, uh, Nier had done besides, you know, the, the, the most accurate emulator available for the super nintendo and i was talking to uh, uh daniel our pal daniel about that he knows more about it about how hard it was for some super nintendo games to be emulated perfectly because they do things differently with the clock in the, within different games so it's like it's not a one-size-fit-all emulation thing so 
this was the best emulator to use. Um, uh, Nier actually helped me personally. So I have a small personal experience uh, with them. It was, um, I was trying, and if you remember, I was trying to, I could not for the life of me, I was trying to capture uh, the Campus Challenge ROMs, which are a little bit more complicated to get working. Right. They don't work on any of the, you know, like SNES 9X or ZSNES, which I preferred for its, like, just ease of use. I, I use ZSNES for a lot of emulation. Um, so I try to get it up and running uh, with uh, BSNES. I try to get it running, and I couldn't figure it out. So uh, Evan, Evan from SNES Central said, oh, why don't you get in touch? With at the time, I think it was Abu, and so we we DM'd and uh, they helped me. They, they helped me just get it up and running. Uh, the ROMs like took time out of day, but okay, yeah, I can I can help you out. I'm like, clearly their this heart. was yeah. their passion. Clearly yeah. they loved this. Yeah, so didn't have to do that. You know, some someone that worked on an emulator and made is helping helping me just fire up the ROMs. You know. So, so, so very kind, just from the small experience, you know. I, I would say if anyone is interested in in who the person was and what we lost, there is a great article from March eighth, twenty twenty one, by Patrick Klepek on Vice. Um, it's an interview, an article about uh, Near, and it goes over their twenty three year journey to get Bahamut Lagoon um, localized perfectly. So, according to this, they also scanned 1,200 Super Nintendo games, 1,200 down to the circuit boards in pursuit of long-term preservation and truly cycle-accurate emulation that covered all possible edge cases. That's super dedication. You need someone like that to step up, you know, in order to help get this stuff done. You know, you, you need a, a, someone super passionate and really cares about this or else who else is going to do it, basically. That's sort of the mindset sometimes goes into this. Like, I, I better do it. Make right. sure it gets done. So, yeah, uh, sad news, but hopefully we can celebrate uh, Nier's life and people can look into what they've done and, and give them recognition, you know, over all this hard work over the past decades. That's all I can say about it. All right, Ian, how, what did you do this weekend? What did I do this weekend? I, uh, I, I, I played Mario Golf. All Super right. Rush. You're looking forward to that? You're I, a big fan of the series? I, yeah, you're I a am. big golfer. I, I like. I, I love. I love golf. You're a scratch golfer. Games. I've heard. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love golf video games. Um, I generally like the Mario Sports series quite a bit. I was very much looking forward to Mario Golf Super Rush. I will start off with what I'm going to say by saying that what is available there as the core game, the physics of the uh, the game, the input, how you play it, is great. It's fine. It's fun. Um, but I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a bit disappointed. Uh oh. Honestly. Uh, Not enough water. So, too, much, too much water. Too much water. Too much water traps. Um, so my main complaint comes down to how the game is is structured. Um, when the game was in previews, we all saw the uh, rush mode. I think they were calling it basically the speed golf mode. Speed golf with some there's some fighting in there, some power. Basically, you could charge into other characters and stuff like that. It's Mario Carpet Golf. Um, I want to say speed <laughs> golf is actually a lot of fun. It's it's a lot of fun to play. Uh, everyone takes their shot, and you all run at the same time. There's your normal walking speed, there's faster, and then there's a dash. And when you use the dash, you can knock people over and cost them time, mm -hmm. uh, which gets you, obviously, to the ball quicker. And it 
goes by strokes first, but then when everyone ties up by stroke, it looks at the speed with which you were able to do it. Sure. It's it's fun. It's frantic. I, I enjoy it. Um, my problem is the game is really kind of separated into three types of golf. There is normal standard golf. There is the speed golf. And then there is something that they introduced called XC golf. Which XC. XC, which what I'm assuming would be cross country. Sure. Cross country golf. So in speed golf, when you finish a hole, uh, you wait for everyone else to finish it. Tallies up the time, and then you go on to the next hole, and everyone starts off again. You said, though, you still get more credit if you, if you get the lowest amount of... Well, yeah, yeah. so strokes. if you were to all tie by strokes, you, the person who is the fastest would, would be the victor. So then does it make sense just to take your time then still, and just to make sure you have accurate shots? Yeah, you want to be fast and accurate. Okay. Um, cross-country golf, the XC golf, when you get it into the hole it immediately tees you up just slightly outside that hole and you have to hit it to the next hole. So, okay. so when you're doing the speed golf, you can go through nine normal holes or 18 holes. When you're doing the XC golf, you get a map and it shows you all the holes that you have to hit. You get an overall time limit. You, have, you get two minutes to make each shot. And if you don't, I believe you are penalized. Um, two minutes to hit each hole or each shot? Hit each shot. To get to the because next you shot. have okay. to actually, you have to maneuver the entire oh, you have to, like, course. Run around the mountains. Or... <laughs> right. And when you okay. finish, and there is no uh, stroke limit per hole, you get a total number of strokes. Okay. So you get like 20 strokes to hit these six holes. Okay. So you have to set up your shots in such a way that it, it's, it's difficult to get used to. The game also, when you're doing XC golf and speed golf, um, you are penalized with a speed penalty for any club that you have over seven clubs. Carrying more than seven clubs. Carrying more than seven clubs. Including your putter. Yes. So, the, I, actually, I'm not sure your putter's included. Um, so, there is strategy there to figure out what clubs you want to take with you to hit certain shots. You want to make sure you have irons so that you can get high. You want uh-huh. a couple drivers or hybrids to make sure you've got yeah. distance. You want a good approach wedge. You want a wedge. Yeah. You want a good approach wedge. Seven should be enough. Should be. Yeah. So, all of these modes on their own are pretty fun. XC Golf... It takes a while. You really have to, like, my oh, yeah. first couple times doing the first six holes of XC Golf, it took me a while to really look at the map and figure out the proper way to do it because it's real easy to just get yourself in a position where you, you can't get, you know, to the next hole. Sure. Um, my problem is a lot of people, I think, when, when this was displayed, when, when it was advertised as Mario Golf with this neat speed golf mode as a side mode, I think people really expected this is going to be a cool side mode. The normal golf is going to take precedence here. It doesn't. Um, to get to unlock more courses and things like that to just play in the normal golf mode, you have to go through the story mode. The story mode requires you to use a me character, and then it requires you to play many, many rounds of golf to unlock stuff. As soon as you unlock the second hole, they throw you into this cross-country golf. You've got to do this cross-country oh, golf no. multiple times. You've got to do the speed golf. Basically, they, they force you to do these other modes to play. They force you to do these other modes to unlock stuff that you would want to play oh. in, in standard golf mode. And this is my problem. It's Mario Golf. I want to play as the Mario characters. I don't want to play as my me. 
Um, I want to use the special shots because all the Mario characters actually have like special dashes where, you know, like Yoshi gets up on his egg and runs and bowls people over. They have uh, special shots that are fun. Like it lands and causes a small explosion, which moves balls out of the way on the green. There's a really good game here and I enjoy it, but they have gone out of their way to hide it behind this frankly this really disappointing fucking story mode so the me story mode is required for you to unlock all the courses in the story basically but that story includes all these other two modes that require you to play them in order to unlock this regular course right but i wanted yeah but i mean that's weak you you could have done a simple tournament story mode yeah. for standard golf. You could yeah. have done a simple tournament story mode for the speed golf and the XC golf. But they really have three fucking lines out at once, and they're trying to make you do all of them. And it's it's because because like the the cross country doesn't appeal to me at all. The speed yeah. the speed thing might be fun. I want to play just regular golf with the characters. The speed thing is a lot of fun. I, I, but, they, like they've really worked that in there. But the whole XC golf thing and making that a requirement to play through it's a fucking slog, and it it, it annoys me, the shit me, out of me. Just give me golf. Yeah. Just give me rounds of golf, eighteen holes, and let me pick him. Let me pick a me, or let me pick Mario or Toad or whatever. Different different you know stats or whatever. Maybe maybe is Toad a good putter? I don't know. And I'm good, only good on like the, the, the I'm on the third chunk of story mode, but it's just like it's not fun to unlock the stuff. And the actual game is fun. Like when I jumped online mm-hmm. multiple times to just play like nine holes of all at once golf, which is not speed golf, but instead of waiting for taking turns, everyone kind of plays the hole at once so that it, it, it it's faster. Sure, it, it, it's it's a lot of fun. The online was great. I had no problems with online. I really liked the game. But making me jump through all these bullshit hoops is annoying. I was hoping we were going to get something quirky and weird like the Mario Tennis story mode, which was actually a lot of fun. And basically, you know, storyline segment, mini game, and then normal tennis. Beat normal tennis, move on to the next chunk of story mode, unlock that course. Like, that would be fine if you made me go through story mode to unlock all these courses by playing normal golf, but I don't want to do it by playing all these modes. Yeah, if it was me mode where it's like, yeah, you get through this tournament, you unlock another course to play that one, keep the other shit separate. Just keep the other modes separate. Maybe have different unlockables with that, but just let me unlock the courses and go through it. And they pad it out, too. It's like, okay, now you got to do a practice round of XC golf. That's three holes. Okay, now you're going to do a qualifying round of the same XC golf. That's six holes. Okay, now you're going to do a full round of the XC golf, which is nine holes. And yeah, it's just... It makes you replay the same holes again or it, same parts uh, of, oh yeah God. it's just i i wish i liked it better i if you like golf Oof. if you like mario golf games you will end up finding something to like about this game i just wish it wasn't buried under nonsense that i don't really want to play um if i still had to pick a modern golf game and i might honestly this may push me back into playing um uh everyone's golf on the playstation 4 which was near perfect uh that used to be the hot shots golf series um and i guess uh clap hands is no longer exclusive to sony so they actually and i i hate playing stuff on my phone but their newest golf game there's an everyone's golf game for uh apple arcade now that oh. honestly is probably pretty great i've always enjoyed that series oh so, so spend your five bucks a month and you can get that game i'll try it maybe I check it, it out Buy a used copy well, of the PS4 Nintendo, golf game. Look what you did, this guy. This guy's been with you since the NES, which was Mario Golf, basically. He's uh, I, been with you since then. 
So he's been with you for what is that? Ninety? When did that come out? Ninety-one? Thirty? Thirty years? This guy? This is your audience right here. My he's been lo- with you. My love of golf, video oh. games. Well, I, I have a feeling I'm going to end up with a high amount of hours played on this on my my Switch. You'll be able to see that I I, I play a lot of this, but uh, honestly, it's going to be begrudgingly until I get through story mode. Oh, this is what I know. It came out in the Famicom Disk System '87, four years before it came out in a cart. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Four years. Wow. What? NES Open? Yeah, yeah. I had no idea. Look at that. It's a, it's a very, very different game, too. Oh, on, on, the, on the disc? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, oh. very different. Different courses. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of differences. I used to know more of them. But, yeah, it's, it's a pretty different game. Interesting. All right. So, yeah. Well, all right. Well, I'll check it out at some point, I, I guess. So that's what you did this weekend? What did I do this weekend? Uh, I watched uh, Bad News Bears. It was on um, DVR. I love, oh, not DVR. It's not DVR. It's cloud, whatever. YouTube TV. You save it to the cloud. It's great. You hit the plus and sure. it saves everything. So Bad News Bears, if you don't know, it's 35 years old. Um, it's, it's a movie about a, a little league or, you know, a little league team of kids that are all miscreants and, you know, a bad team. And um, they was made into a TV series in the late 70s. There was three movies in the 70s. Um, the most uh, Walter Matthau was the original coach. And then it, the most famous actors in it were um, Jackie Earl Haley. Went on to do lots of stuff, obviously. Um, and then, uh, what was the little girl's name who won the Oscars? Tatum O'Neill. Bad News Bears. I'm going to look that up. Get the Wikipedia. So it's it's um, it's a comedy, kind of. Tatum O'Neill, yeah. She had come off of, she's she's the, the, the girl pitcher uh, that has a relationship with, with, uh, with the coach, the coach used to date the girl's mom. So, so I hadn't seen the bad news bears all the way through and forever, or I don't remember. I did. I usually catch like the last, when you, when you scroll on through, you catch the last game because the last game in the movie is like 20 to 25 minutes. It's, yeah, it's a it's long a, it's a, stretch. I remember it being chunk. a meaty part of they the go film. through a lot of it. There's a lot of stuff that happens there. It's 102 minutes. Um, it was a box office smash. Um, uh, I remember watching it mostly on Nickelodeon, the reruns of the of the uh, the show. So, what's Bad News Bears known for? It's known for for having the awesome orchestral score that use a lot of the cl- uh, classics that are hundreds of years old, uh, including the what the hell's the main song? Whatever that's called. Yeah, everyone knows that. It, but it's um, it's a better movie than what I remember. There's a lot going on in this. If you never saw it, uh, I'd recommend it. I know if, last time you saw it, uh, Vic Morrow was also in it I was, as well. I was, I was as, probably early teens the last time I saw it, a long time ago. So what's interesting about this, and, and I actually kind of teared up here and there, not like bawling, but like it was touching because it really showed how kids are um, and how there's, there's, there's like 12 kids on the team, something like that. And there's not really an arc for all of them. It's hard to juggle between them, but each kid gets their own personality and interactions with the other kids the best they can. Um, there's one kid that's picked on a lot. Another kid learns to stand up to him and it's like there's, or stand up for him. I mean, sees him getting bullied and he originally doesn't like the kid and he stands up for him. There's a lot of stuff going on here, but it's really a treatise on second chances with Walter Matthau's character. Who's just a like drunk loser, um, who was a washed up minor league, you know, pitcher who gets a second chance with not only being someone to coach a team, but with, Tatum O'Neill's character, which is a surrogate daughter character, and he fucked it up, fucked it up in a relationship with with the mom and with her, and it's a you know it's a second chance for these kids who are looked at as losers, you know by the by the other teams, 
Uh, they don't show them getting picked on at school, but it's referenced. They get picked on at school for how bad they are. Um, but it's also a nice look at over-competitiveness uh, with adults forcing it on kids. Um, there's a lot in that. And I don't think that was really a thing that much in the 70s. Like trying to live through your kids, pushing your kids too much, you know, not enjoying just having fun. There's a lot of that going on as well that's in this movie. So it's a lot of it. It's a lot, a little bit more deeper of a movie than what you give it credit for when you go back and watch it. At least to sure. me, there's a lot of little things in there where I'm like, wow, this obviously kids enjoyed this, but this is for adults as well. And obviously Walter Matthau was a fucking incredible actor. Yeah. And the set by the seventies, he was like leading man or lots of stuff. He, there was one where he played a thief. I remember watching with Frank one time. I forget what it's called, but yeah, Matthau was fantastic. Uh, Walter Matthau, but um, yeah, check it out. Uh, the kids act great. Obviously, like I said, Tatum O'Neill was coming off of, uh, I think she won an Academy Award at like 11. So she was a big get for that film. Um, and then they said Jackie Earl Haley. Yeah, a lot of going on in here. And there's even there's even a little bit of like under under the surface, like child abuse stuff. In the last scene, uh, you know, the moral coach actor smacks his kid in front of everyone and everyone's horrified. Right. But there's even undertones with like Jackie Earl Haley's character. It's like, you know, he doesn't get along potentially or something's happening there, which I think they bring up in later movies or there's some history there. So, yeah, go check it out. Bad News Bears. It was like it was an interesting to rewatch it front to back. Plus, it's well directed and well written as well. Um, Video Game Years uh, 78 just came out on Monday. Ian did not see that. It was not in the chat. But uh, 79 is next Monday. Every Monday we're doing the premiere of Video Game Years up until 89. And no, the show is not returning. <laughs> so here's someone keeps asking that. But you know what are returning, uh, Ian? UFOs. The Pentag- we have to talk about this. We brought this up. The Pentagon released their UAP report, because that sounds uh, not as crazy as UFO, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. So what's the, what's the TLDR? Of the, it was a short report. There was not a lot of details in the report. But it basically uh, said, yeah, there's stuff out there. We don't know what it is. Like, that's what it said. It didn't get into the nitty-gritty of it. Um, out of the 144 reports, um, the 21, they basically, uh, let's see. Let's see. 21, they basically said, yeah, we definitely definitely have no idea what these things are. Like, we're sh- for sure know that these are were things there that we don't know what they are. That we, you know. So, yeah. Truth is out there, Ian. Are you excited? No, you don't, you don't care yet. I don't care. He's yet. waiting for the aliens to land on on the the lawn of the White House and say, "Hey, what's going on?" Yeah, no. but there was uh, from uh, not from this Put one article, in my lap. Uh, for, for, not from this article. Another one though that there was five reports or at least five of near collisions with uh, with our with our jets with our fighter jets near collisions. So fun times. Yeah, uh, I think it was five. I'm trying to find that, but that, that's an interesting little tidbit. So it's like, yeah, it was close. It wasn't just like it's out in the distance somewhere. We, it, it was pretty close to us. Yeah, good times, good times. No one's no one's excited about that. No one thinks that's a big deal. I guess we don't care anymore. We're like, yeah, whatever. Who cares? We got COVID to deal with. That's okay. When, when they're trying to actually make contact with us, I'll, I'll care. But I'm not I'm not concerned. Not, You're not concerned unless it's like, okay, give us warp drive or shut up, basically. Yeah. <laughs> either, yeah. either kill us or give us warp drive. Then I'm interested. Yeah, basically. Was there an anniversary we passed over that we should have talked about? Sonic's 30th anniversary. Yeah, we did. We passed that over. We should have talked about it because I love the little blue guy. I love his game. The games. blur. The blue blur. I love him dearly. Um, but 
what I really want to focus, I mean, that, that was a week ago, but what's worth bringing up is that uh, Sonic's 30th birthday was uh, commemorated with a um, nearly two hour long um, online concert, uh, oh, wow. the Sonic Symphony. And it was wonderful. They give out hot dogs to the crowd? No. <laughs> um, it was excellent. Uh, it was one of the rare times I've seen a fan base all enjoy something at the same time. No one complained. Everyone had really nice things to say about it. I threw it on at work, and it was excellent. Uh, they started off, basically, they did 45 minutes of, uh, it was the uh, Prague Philharmonic, I believe. And... Um, they started with 45 minutes of various uh, symphonic renditions. Uh, they did a Sonic 1 suite, a Sonic 2 suite. They did um, uh, a little from Sonic and Knuckles. They did a really nice uh, Game Gear suite that sounded great. Um, and then they went to intermission. And then they came back and had uh, some of the si uh, Sega sound team uh, do some uh, guitar renditions of tracks. And then they had Crush 40, who is responsible for almost all of the like really well-known um, Sonic tracks from like Sonic Adventure and Sonic Adventure 2, like the themes and whatnot. Mm -hmm. They had them come out. They did some of their songs, and then they closed with a um, they closed with Crush 40 doing two themes while the symphony played uh, in tandem with them. Oh, that's pretty cool. It was really nice. Everyone had a really great time. It was excellent. It was fun to hear all the songs. Um, it reminded me of good times during Comic-Con, going to the Sonic Booms, where um, they would you know, give out the chili dogs. And oh, I'm sorry, not a hot dog, a chili dog. Chili dog, very important. Uh, <laughs> very important. But it, it was nice. And you know, for all the crap that a lot of the Sonic games get, because there are definitely some stinkers in that bunch, um, the people who actually care about Sonic surrounding sonic uh really do go out of their way to put on excellent shows everything i've ever you know had to participate in or watch that's had to do with it has always come off with uh, uh come off fantastically um you know really great art great production um there's a lot of love and care put into these and uh yeah that that symphony was great so I, I went back and re-listened to it at work the other day because it's archived now so if you missed it and you're just hearing about this you can find it online I'm glad, I'm glad, Ian. Yeah, it was nice. Did you, did you have the Did you have Sonic from the as a, as the pack in, or did you just play it at friends when you first got it? How did you discover Sonic? I uh, was aware of Sonic the Hedgehog uh, vaguely, I think, from TV, but I clearly remember there was one of those PC stores that was big, and it wasn't like Circuit City or Computer Newegg, City, but it was it was an independent one. But there was a PC store. That was in the Walden Galleria Mall. It was a very short-lived PC store. It was like three fucking stories. Um, and I remember walking... Yeah, the computer in, store was three, three stories? It was like a three-story store. I don't even remember oh, what okay. it was called. But like the middle floor was all like video games and computers and Oh, that's stuff. pretty cool structure. And I was walking around in there. And it was attached to the mall. I was walking around in there. And I saw a demo unit. And it was Sonic the Hedgehog being played. The level was Spring Hill Zone. I remember it clearly. And I said, I, I want that. And that was the um, that was the fall that my brother and I went and raked leaves, and we bought the Sega Genesis Model One with Sonic One pack in. And uh, yeah, they kicked Altered Beast to the curb. Yep, like a used up. Oh man, and I like Altered Beast. Yeah, that's all right. 
A lot of people talk shit about Altered Beast. Really? Days. I think it's Who good. Who talks shit about Altered Beast? It's an arcade yes. game. That it ported fine, you know? It's basic as shit, but I like it. It was, it was the first Genesis game a lot of people played. It's like, oh, this is better than Nintendo. <laughs> Look at this. It's the first one I played, probably. It's a pretty with, stunning port, too, all things Billy, considered. Billy, we probably played that with Billy while he was, you know, had his NWA tape in the background. Oh, Billy. Oh, Billy. Billy, Billy, Billy. You know what Billy's dream was? Hmm. He fulfilled it. He wanted to be a UPS driver. Oh. Be a delivery man. Hey, good he for always, you, Billy. He always be like, I want to do that. And he became that. He Happy. became that. He got those brown shorts. Happy for you, Bill. Good for you, Billy. I think I, I, think I interacted with him uh, like several years back. I went back home and I saw him hanging out by his parents' driveway. I talked to him for a little bit. It's like his voice was different. He like, he had a gravelly voice. And it was putting on and up. It was a little bit different. Like, I don't remember you sounding like that, Billy. <laughs> He was a mature Billy. He wasn't a high school Mature Billy. Billy, yeah. He was two years older than me. He used to beat me up in hockey sometimes because when he got pissed. Because that's what the boys do to you when you're the youngest, smallest boy in the street. They can rough you up. They feel like they can't get, can't get away with murder. Sorry, what was I talking about? Um, I won't rough you up at UltimateNintendo.com. I'll be nice to you there because there you can get uh, RBI baseball stickers. You can be kind. I'll be kind with uh, enamel pins. And certain NES Super Nintendo guidebooks are available as well there. Yeah. Yeah. Be kind there as, as much as you want. Importantly, for you Canadians out there, especially if you're in the Montreal area, the Super Nintendo and NES books are available at Retro Montreal, RetroMTL.com Whoa. if you want to order them. And there, I think, already, from what I hear, they've only had the books for... A scant few weeks, and they're already like 75% through that batch that they got. So the Canadians were, were thirsty for it. So, yeah, check out RetroMTL.com. Pick up your copy there. But it's, it's not, there's no French-Canadian version, though. Sorry. Uh, and also, I'm going to be a guest. Ian, I'm returning to conventions. I am vaccinated. I'm ready to go. Do it. I'm going to Retrobalooza, Houston. You're going to do it. July uh, 26th to 27th. Yeah. Excuse me. I'm off by the weekend. July 24th to 25th. The last weekend of July. That's in the Pasadena Convention Center right outside of Houston. And uh, Kenny James is going to be the voice of Bowser. Remember, Kenny was nice. He talked to us a little bit, at least me, at the booth at Too Many Games a few years ago. Oh, I don't. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Super nice mm-hmm. a person. He's going to be a guest there. Some other folks there. Come on out. Say hello to Pat. Fist bumps only going forward, though. Handshakes are done. We're past that. We're not. We're not in medieval times anymore. Got to protect ourselves. We're, we're beyond. We've evolved. We're doing. We're doing the Howie Mandel fist. Howie Mandel was ahead of his time with the fist bumps. He said, "No, no, we'll do the fist bump when I see you there." Uh, it was also the third. We missed out on the thirtieth anniversary of the NC Four, but I think we originally said we're going to twenty fifth. Excuse me, twenty fifth. Twenty fifth, not thirtieth. No, don't overage it. But I think we're going to cover it in depth for for the. Since for we fall. missed it, we'll cover it for the U.S. release. But I think from here on out, we should probably just start covering the Japanese releases. That's when everyone makes a big hoot and a holler about it online. Really? That's what it seems like. Yeah, yeah. But, but it doesn't make sense. I guess it'll make more sense more like, but but for like the Super Famicom, it's a year ahead than when it came out here. So that didn't make any sense for that. It's like, well, we didn't know about the Super Famicom coming out except for Nintendo Power telling us and teasing us about Super Mario World. But, uh, all right. Well, I think it's a case by case. We had that the video case, game years. Case by case scenario. Some people said, well, "Why don't you talk about the Japanese release?" Well, because it's a North American, you know, show, uh, and sometimes we talk about the Japanese stuff if it didn't come out there. Just want, can you imagine? I think I brought this up. Can you imagine nowadays if there was a console that was delayed by one or two years, or even 
you know, several months between regions, people would be going nuts if that happened today. Oh, yeah. No, They'd be going insane. It happened for years sometimes, the years between releases. The PC Engine came out two years before in Japan versus TurboGrafx. Two years. It's like you can't imagine that. Yeah. Famicom I- NES was two years in between. N64 was uh, only a few months, but like I said, Fam- Super Famicom was, was a year. PS2 was about eight months, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that, that'll never happen again. Like, that just can't happen. Like, that people, people are too aware. They'll go, they would go nuts. Yeah. You, you imagine, uh, speaking of, you know, you know, how gamers are, how they react to stuff. I gotta wait seven months to play. No. God, God the, 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 the rage bait videos that would happen. Uh, sp- speaking of Nintendo, Ian... Nintendo. The ninjas struck, and they got they got their they got their uh, pound of flesh and more. So we talked about uh, the Pokemon uh, leaks that happened uh, about a, was it was at a year back, 2019. It was Pokemon Sword and Shield. There was lots of leaks, information that came up. I think we talked about Nintendo going after the folks. Yeah, we did. Oh, absolutely. So uh, Nintendo hired a firm to track down these uh, leakers, and boy, did they uh, track them down. They hired a firm. Um, specializing in online Pokemon company really took the lead because it's really their properties first and foremost. They hired an outside firm specializing in online forensics to help them find the culprits over Discord, Reddit, and 4chan. Even wilder, wilder were the conditions the strategy guys were being printed and stored under. So they 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 took like a screenshots of, of the of these uh, manuals. And at the time, yeah, they were like basically under locking key. These like for the right. like digital and almost literal locking key. Uh, this stuff. Um. For example, the Pokemon company performed background checks on employees, stored game content files on secure computers, restricted access to game working files to a limited number of individuals who could only gain access to files by entering a username and password, allowed those individuals to transfer game files only using secure methods, used digital measures to trace and mark files to prevent or unauthorized access, and required users with access to, to games to f- files to sign non-disclosure agreements. Physical copies of the strategy guide are stored in secure locations under TARPs, under tarps, and individuals with access to the printed guides are not permitted to bring cell phones or cameras into the areas where strategy guides are stored. So it's not like they said, yeah, sign an NDA, whatever. No, they did not want this stuff getting out. Yeah. They took precautions. So then if you're going to leak this shit, knowing that they took this amount of precautions, you know they're coming after you. This yeah, is there's not no way they're not threats. going to. It's, I mean, it's insane to think that they wouldn't. This sounds like they had the Mission Impossible freaking sensors or yet like Tom Cruise... You know, repelled down in order like this is yeah so they tracked them just fucking absolute huevos on uh, these people whew. and what is it worth you got the a eggs on them. i feel good i revealed uh you know what these characters look like before they was it worth it to getting caught and going through this rigmarole and having to get a lawyer to defend yourself no probably not so it was someone from the printing company uh that i guess did the printing uh david uh mason nave and his friend brian cruz who uploaded the images to the internet they agreed to settle, uh, and they will have to pay 150 large, 150000 along with the cost of their legal fees. And that might be getting off light that they had to settle. They I feel like that's pay. a lot lower than I would have expected, frankly. So I'm not saying they're going to get the money, but it's just like that's that's proving a point. Like, this ain't happening. Right. Like, hey, you can work at the Pokemon company and do and work with us, but you ain't doing this shit. You can pet the Pikachu in the corner, but you can't take pictures of our uh, strategy guys or whatever. I heard they have a live, live Pikachu there that they've. Oh, a live one? They, uh, they, they, they engineered, engineered one? Yeah. I can't wait. They engineered one. 
It looks horrifying, but it's cute and cuddly. <laughs> no, it can't be horrifying and cute and cuddly. I don't know where that joke was going. Uh, we talk about this uh, air raid auction. So it's yeah, it's been a while. So we talked about air raid. Air raid likes to come up every once in a while. It's uh, one of the rarest. It's Atari. a holy grail. It's a holy grail. Yeah, it's Atari a holy game. grail. It's an Atari twenty six hundred game. Um, it's well known for a couple of reasons. One, it has a unique look. Uh, it comes in a blue plastic cartridge that has a handle on top a of it. Tea handle it has a T shaped handle on top of it. Uh, you may also remember uh, <laughs> Airstrike, our Air Raid being mentioned uh, due to a scumbag seller that we d- had on the show. One of the most uh, famous ones earlier yeah. on, probably like 2015 or Years so. Years ago, uh, where someone was trying to sell a knockoff Air Raid that they had put together with PVC piping. Uh, it was Australia, at, right? Yeah. And then concocted a really crazy story behind it to kind of like... Keep their hands off on it. Oh well, uh, as soon as like people are like, "That's fake." Oh, we don't know that. I mean, this is just how it came from. <laughs> well, if I remember correctly, they said it was like their dead grandmas or dead yes. moms. Yes. Stuff to try to like get you to back off, and it's like, no, dude, it's not. First of all, but you're just scummy for doing that. And what we said at the time was that you do your due diligence if you think you have something worth a lot of money. It's like, well, I don't know if it's real or not, but yeah. is it up for sale for $8,000? No, that's not how it works. You can't you can't feign ignorance if you're selling something for a lot of money. If there's that much money at stake, you have to look into if it's real or not. But obviously, that was a bullshit story. But I'm saying, if it was real, it's still stupid. So um, from this article on Yahoo News, Yahoo News, you're a leader in, in rare game news going back to the statement events of 2008. Or, or no, 2010 it was. Um, so this was turned into a Goodwill, this one that came up. Goodwill North Central Texas item processor Alex Juarez was sorting a bin of all the tar games when he came across it um, and probably recognized it. And that's why, you know, when stuff comes up on Shop Goodwill the past three, four years, um, it doesn't slip by them anymore. They know. Like, you do not get deals on Shop Goodwill for years you haven't oh, gotten good deals. no, no. The deals ran out. When I started, stopped looking really around 2000, probably after I moved here, I stopped really looking into that stuff, 2017. For like two, three years when people didn't know about it, you can get some deals. You can, I remember getting some nice computer game deals, like my Ultima games I got for like 50 bucks for three big box Ultima games. Like, like stuff like that you can find or some, you know. So every once in a while I'd be like, oh, there's like a, you know, a GBA SP for like, you know, 15 bucks with everything. That's a pretty good deal. Like I picked up a few like doing that or some bundles of games, but it was rare you'd find something that had a bundle. Like even if the, the game bundle had something that was like uncommon, it would go for less, but not a, a lot less. It wasn't still dirt right. cheap. But now things come up. There was the you know prototype games. I think I think there was the the sealed Super Mario Brothers that came up the past year or two on there. Right, yep. Wasn't there? Um, so like this stuff goes for a lot of money. It's just another eBay at this point. Yeah, That's there's yeah, and people know to check it. You're not going to find something, you know. So it sold for uh, $10,590 air raid. Am I shocked that it went for that much? Yes and no. Um it's probably the only game that if you're not familiar with the Atari 2600 that other collectors like you know about air raid just because you, it's so unique looking and you know that it's the holy grail. Um there's only what uh, two or three box copies known to exist only one i believe complete with the manual and again they didn't they weren't sure who made the game they think they thought they knew who made the game until they found 
you know, the box. And right. Like, oh, that's the maker. It is, a, what is it, Menifee? Like, they, they weren't sure. They thought it was, like, we don't know where this came from. And now they're starting to piece together more and more about this. But, yeah, who knows how many of this, how many of this game they made. Could have been a few hundred for them, to be, for them not to have any copies at all in the, in the wild. They probably didn't make even a thousand of these things. No, probably not. I mean, we're talking small print runs, like super small print runs. Um, when I was younger, this is, I guess, the employees. When I was younger, me and my dad used to watch these top 10 most expensive video games and stuff like that. And this would pop up all the time. It's kind of surreal. It's more of a piece of history rather than an expensive game to me. It's weird knowing this will be, be the only time you get to hold something like this. There you go. That, I think that's, a, uh, that's, wow, the last one. Complete copy sold for thirty three grand two thousand twelve. That's when I saw in person by the guy. I'll never forget that. And when I when I saw it, he didn't even have it in a case. He just had. I was like, dude, you got to get yeah, a case. Yeah, you told me you told like, me that you? it was just like raw out in the open. Yeah, I was like, oh yeah, here. I was like, here, look at. It. I'm like, I'm, I'm I'm not touching. I'm not touching it. Oh, taste it. Taste yeah, it. Well, look, it. look how it, how does it taste? The Menifee flavor. The area. No, I, I, in all good fun, I did say you. I said, listen, there's places like I told them about like the greeting card box like you, you gotta get a protector for this yeah and that, it was at that with the meetup the Southern California meetup group that used to happen the one oh, okay. that Mike Kennedy used to forgive me Mike Kennedy used to be at these meetup groups within within uh, yelling distance of one another uh, good old Mike Kennedy um, alright there you go some money to uh, uh, Goodwill right there if you're an athlete you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. right. All right. That's it for the intro. That's it for the intro. Uh, Ian, besides us missing out on the um, the 30th anniversary of Sonic, your responsibility. But uh, we also missed out on the, the release of a new game console, and we didn't realize it officially was we released. We did. Um, it, it qualifies as a game console? Kind of. The Not Atari, really. The, the Atari VCS, uh, I guess, officially is released... With milestones that, like, I mean, the backers got it back in the like the fall. They started to get it. They started to get some. But of now, things. I guess it's officially available. I saw a screenshot of it being uh, on the shelves of some look like like almost like a fries sort of store where it's like they were stacked up next to something. But we have reviews, mainstream game journalism reviews of the Atari VCS. Again, the VCS is basically a computer in an Atari. VCS type shell. Yep. Um, so the main review comes from uh, Seth Macy at IGN. And uh, basically, it says what we have always said about this. It was who we thought it was. Uh, what What's the fucking point of this thing? Um, it doesn't do I, any of the things it's supposed to do very well. On its own as a console, really right now, you are looking at playing uh, emulated Atari games on there Woo! it's basically what you're looking for Woo! looking at um my understanding is that there are it's basically the same as some of the early reviews that we saw there are apps for like netflix and things like that but they're really just links to the website and then you have to sign in and oh my god really they didn't yeah build a store they're not for, like they're oh not 100 percent. yeah they're not like natively coded apps um, there is an output in 4K mode, but apparently this thing outputs 4K like dog shit. <laughs> like 12 frames. 
Um, you what can is- also set it to PC mode, which was what they really, which is what Atari themselves and good old uh, Freddie Chesney uh, was uh, oh, Fred. was really um, starting to hawk when they realized, I think, that this wasn't going to have anything on it. You can make a console, but if you have nothing on it, I mean, what's the point? So basically, they've uh, they the, the PC mode, uh, the sandbox mode, uh, opens it up and lets you connect it to your TV to use it as a uh, you know, a standalone PC. But even in that aspect, I guess it fails based on its price point. I guess comparatively, there are far better options that are far less of a hassle. And um, this thing is for absolutely no one. <laughs> Let, let's get into more of the details. So, um, let's see. There's about it's about 80 Atari games packed in, and these are the same games you would get for the most part, like on a flashback console. You know. Oh, well, they, I, I think so. Uh, Atari has actually released three volumes of games for the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, probably the Switch. I'm assuming that they're similar to that. Um, there, there is that Missile Command game that is a new Missile Command that's on there, right? I don't know. I would not uh, even. <laughs> I would not even give them that um, much benefit of the doubt. John Hancock did a, did a review of this and. He goes over some of the stuff that you can use this thing for, like for example, the AntStream uh, service. Streaming service, but Stream- you can do that anywhere. Yeah, but I'm saying like that's available on here, so that at least gets that can scratch your itch, even though that's you know you got to do a subscription uh, to that. So, Missile Command Recharged is a game here that is a modern missile command that you could play on the VCS. That I don't know if that's a let's see, Missile Command is that available somewhere else? I'm trying to give this the benefit of the doubt that I don't know why. No, it's on the Switch. Okay. It's, it's on the I Switch. don't know why any of these should ever receive our benefit of the doubt. They are all trash. They are all hey, shit. I'm not can, going to be nice it, to a single one ever I, again. I thought originally that was, if not going to be exclusive, this was at least designed for the VCS in mind. But since, remember, the VCS was delayed from release. Like, what was it? A, was it a year and a half from when it was supposed to come out? Yeah, it was supposed to come out originally end of 2019. Uh, it, was, it was supposed to come out. So I think originally this was de- designed with the VCS in mind, but what, I guess they probably figured, well, we got to put it out elsewhere. We got to make our money on this, and, and the console's not out yet. So, but at least there was that, and yeah, because that came out May 2020, according to this. Okay, yeah, that was probably designed for the VCS at some point. So yeah, it's a it's a modern missile command. Okay, if you want if you want to play that. Um, let's see, John goes over playing some of the classics on here. Uh, that uh, Missile Command Recharge that we're uh, touting as being such a big thing uh, is also available on Steam for the uh, low, low price of $1.49. So you really, there is no reason to buy this $300 hunk of designer plastic that comes with no controllers out of the box. Oh, that's right. you got to spend extra. If you want the version that comes with the classic controller and the uh, standard gamepad, it's $400. That's right. One thing I will say... I think the uh, little uh, Atari classic joystick controller looks, looks neat, looks nice. Apparently, uh, not only is it a joystick, but you can also swivel the bottom to use it as like a rotary, uh, like, a uh, like, like a paddle. Like a, okay, so that, right. that's one thing that I, okay. I, I think looks kind of neat. It's a nice looking controller, but it's also very, very expensive for a one button controller, so it can get fucked as well. Yeah, again, when you, when you start to get into three hundred, four hundred dollar ranges of, of of for these products. You have to ask yourself: Does the cost of the hardware align with the software we are getting? Like, is there is there something not lining up here? 
of the, of the you know the value proposition. Or, or I, I, it's not like I, I don't want people to get the wrong idea. I'm not like super. I'm not opposed to the little guy, but you have to ask what value am I adding to this marketplace? What am I going to be doing on my Me Too also ran console that is going to pull anyone away from what they can already get that has a, a built-in ecosystem and games and developers it's it's not that i wouldn't love to see a company you know get into the fray but you're you're not going to do it so i don't know let's see where these are widely available right now looks like they're still trying to be um scalped on ebay for these but i like I said i did see a screenshot of these i somewhere. saw yeah i saw a screenshot of some uh, they were in a store somewhere some store had some stock somewhere you know i don't know if it's target if I, look, if I look on Google where I can buy the Atari VCS, this would be a console that if you sold this with a controller, maybe for like, I don't know, $200, you might have had something with like 100 packed in games. Because like the flashbacks we used to sell all day for like what, like 80 bucks those things cost? You know, 100 bucks for a flashback for like sure. the HD one. So maybe you say, hey, it's a computer as well. But like you can't, the problem is making it a computer. Again, it all comes back to like, you don't need the computer shit. You don't. It's, it's ridiculous at that point. But that's all it is. That's all it is if it's Linux-based. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, Forbes uh, said uh, had an article. That, sorry, the Forbes article, I think, is just a recap, the IGN. Of, it's a recap of the IGN article. So what was the, what was the final verdict uh, from IGN here on the bottom? They always had their little uh, recap here. Um, let's see. Did he say he slapped, slapped, slapped a penis on it? No. Okay, he didn't say <laughs> no, no one, sla- no one did the dick slap him. Yeah, here's the purchasing guide. The Atari VCS-based console, $299, doesn't come with the controllers. The all-in bundle is $399. Oh, you can get it direct or through GameStop. Oh, GameStop has them. Maybe, was that a picture of a GameStop being there? Might have been. But the re- it says release date to be determined, not available in GameStop. So I guess you can't get them there. Can I get, buy them through Atari right now? Probably not if they're being scalped online. They probably just haven't met what they're supposed to output. It says, okay, I could buy one unit, maximum three units. God, they, they made, I think they made probably just enough to get them out the backers and just a little bit more. Yeah, this it, thing is I, dead on arrival. I don't think they're ever um, going to try to actually, you know, push a bunch of these into stores for people to buy. Verdict. The Atari VCS costs too much and does too little for me to recommend it. The, its 4K mode is pretty point, 4K mode is pretty pointless other than it makes for a nice marketing bullet. The number of built-in games is impressive on paper, but there are too few games you'd actually want to play and too many games that didn't age well at all. Uh-oh, age well. PC mode is poorly implemented and doesn't make a lot of sense in practice. It would be better to just install 2600 and main games to a PC than to install PC software on a glorified emulation machine. Yeah. That's an interesting way to put, at it, put, put it. If you want a $300 machine to emulate old games, buy an Xbox Series S. At least it comes with a controller for that price. Yeah, the, the the Series S. Remember, you put it in was it dev mode? You can basically make an emulation box. Yeah, uh, and then it gave it a um, what was the score? A five, mediocre. The Atari VCS tries to do something, do some interesting things, but ultimately fails as a console and as a PC alternative. I think a five could be generous. No, I think a five is generous um, because I mean, what is this? It, it it's I again where we are too close to this point where something coming out is considered a success. Like 
no, we actually need something to do with this. It's not a success. This when, is a $300 paperweight. Yeah, it's not a success if, if a product comes out and you got people's money and there's no value there and the thing is basically tossed aside. Everything you can do on this, no you one can wins, do on something th- else for, yeah. for cheaper or better. Yeah, I mean, you can get, let's see, a, a Retron, Hyperkin Retron 77. Yes, you use real cartridges, but you get the HD Atari thing. That's $78 or $60. Say $60 at B&H, $78 on Amazon. You know, you, there's ways you can get there. Maybe get an Atari flash card. Or just buy the fucking releases on any console or, that has them. Yeah, well, how, you know, if you could get the Atari collection. like like the, the only, Every console's got them. This has 80 games that would probably only cost you, what, like 20 bucks if you bought on other costs? Like... Like what's a, what's a pack? What's an Atari collection cost on Switch? Can't cost more than ten dollars per fifteen dollars. I think it's probably twenty for the digital to get eighty games. Uh, thereabouts. That better it better not be twenty games for twenty bucks. You better get no, all of them. No, it's not. Um, Atari Flashbacks Classics is what it's called. Atari Flashback. So I like they keep the flashback name, which I like. So I think it's supposed to be a thirty dollar game. And it has doesn't even tell you how forty many. bucks on on Hanno's site it says brand new hundred and fifty games which okay. is still a bit much honestly okay. but so, there so, it is so you get more than what you get you only get if you only get eighty on the for whatever reason you only get eighty on the VCS forty bucks you get all all their freaking games that they have to offer we'll give you the seven eight hundred twenty six hundred they always leave off the fifty two hundred we always talk about for some weird reason or they don't include those it's just give you it fucking sad get everything that, that's all you had you had a good four or five year run Atari. Give us everything you got from 77 to 83, 84. It is crazy to think. I mean, I always thought about this back uh, when video game years came up to Atari is always thought of as this megalithic force in video games. Well, they were. They were very important in the beginning, but they did not. The, their run of relevance was fairly short. They still had an arcade run in the mid 80s to late 80s a little bit. But like as the, at the forefront, it was like four or five years. That right. was it. Then yeah. they were done. Then they crashed us. And it is what it is. All right. Well, there you go. You know, maybe you come across it at, at uh, some GameStop one day for a hundred bucks. You pick it up, Ian. You give it the slap test. No, it's not worth the slap test. Would you slap it for free? No, not either. You went sour on the slappage. Yeah, I mean, you can only do the joke so many times. <laughs> it's your joke. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know when to leave my jokes alone. Oh wow, wow, we're going there. Okay, Ian. All right, Ian. Uh, we are. Three weeks off of E3? It seems like it was a year ago. Um, and there was Everything a, was longer ago. There was a lot of great presentations at E3 that happened. Um, Nintendo had a great showing. Microsoft had a decent showing. Um, Actually, there weren't a lot of great things. Limited Run had, had good stuff. Yeah, Limited Run did. You're right. Um, then, and then there was the Intellivision Amico 10-minute uh, presentation that happened. And I remember I said... I should probably redo my quote or edit it in. This is going to be a weird turning point now that there's a public face to this marketing campaign and to this console oh, yeah. that is was delayed twice, about to be delayed a third time that was supposed to come out October 10, 2020 originally, that now you're going to have mainstream uh, games media picking this up or following it and be like, what the hell is this thing? And starting to look into it. And it's happened at... at much quicker rate than I thought. Um, Jeff Gertzman talking about it with Giant yeah, Bomb. Jeff Gertzman on Giant Bomb. Um, Ars Technica, uh, which we'll get into a bit more. Uh, Digital Foundry uh, has talked about it. I can't even keep up on all the places that have uh, talked about it. And um, there's been some, and, and, and as of this morning before we started to uh, record, 
Um, Sam Mekovic um, from Ars Technica released a uh, full article, a very deep article, going into the behind-the-scenes stuff of the Amico and what's going on with it and where a lot of question marks lie. The article does a beautiful job of basically covering every point and I'm not saying that they listen to us, but I'm just saying it covers everything that we've been saying the the whole time. Sure, uh, co- covers everything. Um, so we're at with some point, more de- with some new details as well. We'll get into, and we've already seen um, not not even the response to this, but just uh, Sam talking about it on uh, Twitter uh, before this article. We've already seen Tommy uh, try to jump into replies and try to pull the. Uh, and we've heard that they have uh, certain people from Intellivision have contacted other journalists. Yes, I, I hear things. Yep, uh, hear some things. have contacted other journalists to give them the old song and dance routine of you don't have all the information, you need the insider info. Or you're listening to the haters. Or you're listening to the haters. And I just before I, I let Pat jump into the article because I, I, there are I'm just tired. I'm tired of the the amico. Um, I just want to point out again that. Uh, if you need to do that, you are failing on a base level as a company uh, because we're absolutely supposed to be able to form opinions off of the information that you have made public. This goes back to the beginning, the very beginning of people. Coming all the us. way back to the very first time I talked about it, all the way back to me getting a real weird feeling about this and Tommy himself. If we can't go off of what you've put out to the public, then what fucking good is what you're putting out to the public? But Ian's wrong. There's no physical. He said there's no physical media. There is. Remember, that was a big thing. We're still waiting to see your physical media. Is there? I should. We should have taken a bet that there was physical media by the truest sense of the word. We'd be winning that. uh, By the way, all right. So this article encapsulates a lot of things that we've rambled about for years, but then added something we'll get into, which is very important. there was a, a, a dev portal that was accessed, and all the information, it seems like, it was either dumped or was accessible to this journalist to really get into the nitty-gritty of what is finally the hardware specs of the Intellivision Amico, what the specs are, what the, what the system on the chip is, what the costs are of this console, and what are the weird philosophies being touted for the devs to follow. So this information is new. Uh, that we have not heard before, and that's why I think it's important. Goals. But there's also things that we've touched upon that are important here that we'll, we'll get, go into. So this started with, with Sam talking about the stock photos that were super unprofessional. If you don't want to call it false advertising, fine. To, to, to Photoshop your console over pre-existing consoles at a, at a major trade show event, okay. It's at least, it doesn't build confidence that you have – that, and it's lazy. It's fucking lazy at least. It's lazy. If you have a real console, hire a photographer or get your own fucking cell phone and snap pictures with, with a couple of models then versus Photoshopping. It's fucking lazy to do that. I'll say that. It's lazy. Either it means I don't think it's the biggest concern. But it's lazy. It's, at least. it's lazy. And where yeah. I do think it becomes a bit more of a concern, I realize that other companies use stock photos. Um, as I've said in the past, it's simply because we have not seen anything. We, we have not seen what tommy thinks we've seen we 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 have not seen um we have not seen boot ups we have not seen extended oh, we live saw we play. saw a boot up that that was a minute yeah remember but like that we did any claim wasn't a minute we timed that we did see that so it, it's 
But there has been a lot in the in sort of the public. So eye. when there hasn't been a lot in the public eye, you would hope that your the the photos that you would see would be uh, official photos of people holding the actual controllers. Yeah, four months before your release and eight months after the first release. Again, if these were stock photos, like as a, at an original presentation at PRG 2017, I wouldn't care. Okay, but we're way past the. This is what the console's supposed to appear like in use. We are far past that point. We are at the point where we need to see these being real in everyone's hand and examples of them being real for your E3 video for your E3. This isn't again, this isn't, we're way past proof of concept at this point. So um talked about that and he got pushed back on that. Um, so this, this summary is so good because it really gets into why there, there's not a market for this console because you're competing in a price category with the switch. Um, so to picture, imagine an online Flash gaming portal full of mostly flat 2D game designs with a few 3D twists and visual flourishes, and you get some idea of Amico's visual aesthetic. That breaks it down right there at its surface. You are, you are paying for something at, at $250, $300 that you're competing with Nintendo at that point. You're competing with Microsoft at that point, at those price points, where we're talking worlds of difference of quality there. Sure. It's like it doesn't make any sense. Um. Intelligent has been frank that Amica was built with budget-priced gaming in mind. Its official specs page makes that clear with performance numbers that resemble lower-powered Android smartphones. Lower-powered Android smartphones. This re- but this recent leak from Intellivision's online developer portal provided concrete specifics about how much hardware power this $250 system and its controllers will eventually deliver. And there it is. We have the specs, finally. And the Qualcomm Snapdragon 624 APQ 8053 Lite 8-arm A53 cores at 1.8 GHz. That was the specific information they were trying to remain hidden for all this time. What is, the, what is in this console? What is in your game console? Why is this being hidden? Two gigs of, of uh, DDR3 RAM. The GPU is an Adreno 506 GPU. I'm not too familiar with that. And there you get the rest of the specs right there. LED light string, 15 LEDs per side, 10 LEDs in front, 25 LEDs. What a waste. What a waste of money and depth. What a fucking, like, what a waste. These LEDs. What want, a waste. He wants to make a system as cheesy as he is. What a like what a what a waste. It's like we want to put we want to bejewel our genes. You know, it's just gaudy and and just oh god. It's interactive lighting though. It's going to add crazy dimensions. So now we're supposed to look at the TV screen, the controller on the screen and the lighting on the console. So we're supposed to focus our our eyes on three different places at once. So the big takeaway from from the, the specs is how how cheap this uh, system on a chip Qualcomm is. What in bulk? What was it, the, the price? Uh, it looked like uh, approximately thirty eight dollars. Thirty eight dollars. Your system on a, on on a chip. That's it's thirty eight bucks. This basically Android board. That that's what you're looking but at. But it's got to be two fifty. I wonder why it's got to be two fifty. Well, profit margin, which we'll get into. There's like, two reasons. Yeah. There's you, a there's a few reasons. Um. um well, go ahead. Yeah. Well, well, I can say it right now. My, my what we talked about at the time. I always said earlier on that this was a wholesale play. They don't. They know this isn't going to last if this comes out. This is going to be dead. You got to make your, all your money up front. 
Right. You got to make your money on the console. This isn't like Nintendo losing money or breaking even or like PlayStation losing money and recouping over the years. They got to make their the, money. It should be one of the first things uh, that sets off a flag is that this isn't running like any other console business. No, they, they're, not, they're, they're not planning on making their money back on the software or on accessories. They need to make their money the first day. They need to make all their money from you. Yeah. That's a huge red flag. It's also a red flag if wholesalers aren't confident enough to keep it on the shelves or other. They know that we can't sell. What, what software going to sell? RFID cards? Where if they have any influence on the price by as tops. well. By tops. Partnering with tops. Partnered with tops. That the wholesaler then re- even realizes, well, we're not make, going to make making that much money. We need, we need to make our money up front as well because we don't think this company may not even last potentially. I don't know. Maybe if I'm a wholesaler, I'm thinking about that. So this is obviously an exorbitant markup on a console. Let's just say the and we we recently found out the controller is going to cost eighty dollars. Yeah, if you want a replacement, eighty bucks for your controller, eighty. That's more than any other console. It's more than the PS Five. It's more than the, the new Xbox. That's ridiculous. Ten dollars more than PS uh, Xbox current Xbox controllers, um, sixty bucks. PS Five uh, PS Five controllers seventy. Switch controllers seventy. Amico eighty. Well, that's two Joy Cons. For, for, for I think for seventy. No, I'm talking about the I'm oh the pro the, the pro controller. What does two Joy Cons cost? It's about seventy. So and that's two controllers. It's one controller. It's two, but it's it's yes. Still, just looking at the actual pro style. It's still more money though. It's still more money. Um, and then talking about the specs of, of that, that's a cheap chip inside because it sounds like you can do jack shit with the Amico touchscreen. From what from what this article says, according to this article, the programming. Um, and all the assets to be used by the touchscreen are not to exceed one megabyte of space, according to the article. Yeah. One megabyte of space you have in order to code everything and all the assets on using your controller. What the fuck? At that point, it's just glorified. It's a glorified touch button with pictures on it, which is what we've seen. Like, oh, uh, select your picture in Shark Shark. Here's a picture of your fish in Shark Shark. What a gimmick. That's an absolute gimmick. That doesn't need to happen. You yeah. don't need it then at that point. You no. don't need it. It's not going to add any, uh, anything truly meaningful to the gameplay. That's insane. See, this is the information that once you really find out what's under the hood, now you're thinking about why are they charging this amount of money for this shit. Because Tommy was told that if it was under $200, it wouldn't look like a big boy toy, so he had to charge enough for it for people to take it seriously. Is that what you think that's what it was? I, that, that's been, I, I'm fairly certain that's been stated somewhere. Um, and that's going to cost him. There's no reason for this to be this high. I, I, you know, we've kind of, I, I talked about, I've talked about on the past on this show that, um, you know, uh, I'm enjoying the Evercade more than I thought I would. I like the pick up and play stuff. What have I been playing mostly on my switch? Pick up and play games. I play arcade games. The Intellivision Amico should have been fucking targeted directly to me. I am for, for whatever Tommy wants to say. Uh, and Tommy would never admit it. I am the consumer who should be interesting, interested in the Intellivision Amico. And uh, I mean, the price point and everything, it's just it's a it's it's a failure. This isn't even coming from someone who wouldn't be interested in this thing if it was successful. This is kind of exactly right in my wheelhouse. I love cheap pick up and play games that are quality. Little, I like, this is a little kitschy console. Right? I like arcade stuff. This should be something that interested me and literally nothing about it adds up and everything looks like garbage. This is the, this is the, this is the, the, this is the silver bullet right here from their own uh, dev portal. 
uh, includes precise specs for various system elements in order to help game makers begin building Amico software before they receive official dev kits. Before listing all of its specs, Intellivision's own comparison makes the point more simply. We found the ZTE Max Pro, Z Max Pro Z891 is a good benchmark test and runs runs a little slower than the Amico hardware. This model of ZT smartphone debuted in 2016 at a budget price of $100 unlocked. So the Amico, congratulations, the Amico is slightly quicker than a, than a 2016 smartphone that was $100 back then. Budget smartphone. Back then, $100 smartphone. Five years ago. That's your comparable spec to this console. That's ridiculous. There it is. Bulk rates $38 per board. 38 bucks is the guts of this thing. Yeah, the shell costs something to re- produce. This is a, let's just say, okay, this is a, a, I don't know, $55 console. Not counting the controllers. 55 bucks, maybe to make this thing. Maybe I'm out of line a little bit, but the shell doesn't cost more than the board uh, to put together. There it is. One megabyte, one megabyte for the, for the touch screen. One megabyte max. Are you joking? I just know this. So um, within the dev portal also, I, just because we know Tommy to be fairly egotistical, uh, th- this was oh. c- copied and pasted verbatim from an intro to the Intellivision 10 Commandments. And lo, Tommy did play a mountain of video games, some good and many bad. And after much reflection, he carved into a tablet a list of game design commandments, and he did present the tablets to the people, and he said unto them, follow these commandments and you will make good games and all will prosper. And there was much rejoicing. The man I'm gonna dry heave does not have a uh, small opinion of himself. You you want to hear what's in these fantastic controllers? The Amico controller, while the contr- Amico controller spec sheet contains fewer details about its specs and power, it does confirm an expressive ESP32 system on chip at its core. It clocks in at 240 megahertz and are advertised as a low cost way to drive products in the wearables and Internet of Things industries. Bulk orders for ESP32 systems on a chip can run as low as $2.50, $2.50 per chip. That's what's running your controller. So it's the three chips or the, the board and the chips cost not even $45 between the hardware. We're not counting, obviously, the gyrometer, the accelerometer, the gyroscope, and that things. But we're not talking about a lot of stuff. This The Atari BCAs makes this look like the VCS is like the Xbox, you know, you know, one compared to this. Like we're talking, we're talking about like magnitudes of power when it comes to, comes to processing right here. Um, it gets into, uh, yeah, like you, you're talking about the 10 commands of game design that they have for this. It's ridiculous, but whatever. It, it makes you throw up in your mouth a little bit when you, when you talk about it. It talks about the secret sauce of video games is humor, which, which humor entertains both males and females. Did you know that according to their dev specs? Did not, did not know about that. Uh, this is important though about the the profit margins that were reported, and this is where it gets interesting. So, so Sam, it looks like had access to um, a, an investment video that's not public. That looked like it was what was it? I think I saw was it March or so? Yeah, March twenty twenty one. So in there, it is noted in this in this uh, probably very sketchy investment video that the cut for television takes. The, the, Intellivision's cut from the third-party sales Game revenue sales. is around 50%. 50% they're taking 
from game devs when they, when they sell it. 50%. We're currently in the middle of a years-long discussion about 30% being too high and storefronts that get it lower yeah. than that. And Epic wants, Games started it with only doing like 12%. Tommy wants to come out of the gate with 50%. Microsoft starting to lower theirs. There's, there's starting to be some competitive balance. It's capitalism at work. We want to attract devs to our store, and everyone, uh, everyone wins. 50% is predatory. Unless you are fronting the cost to the games in its entirety uh, for this, and you want to recoup your investment, that is predatory 50%. I don't see how any game dev would want to get on board with that let alone the console that you know may not sell well. That's ridiculous. And you've got to keep your game exclusive or add shit to it to please yeah, Tommy. I gotta work on I gotta add work on this game, port it over and add shit, multiplayer, whatever, couch co-op, and you're gonna take a fifty percent. You're also going to tell me what she kinda of touches on. You're also gonna tell me that at you I, I have to cap my work at maximum ten dollars. Oh yeah, for the sale. Yeah. Yeah, the whole thing doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. I don't see how this would be appealing to any dev no seems um, very restrictive sam does a great job he recaps um e- the evil knievel being a port and resisting android game yeah one that's five or six years old talks about um the presentation leaned on a few games that are early, already available as free web games particularly a series of sesame street branded edutainment experiences again that are free on sesame street org. You almost can't make it up. Then they talked about this. We didn't touch upon this. On Tuesday, June 22nd, Intellivision's, uh, Intellivision's marketing team reskinned an August 2019 promo video tied to that year's Gamescom in Cologne, Germany. So that was like a coming out party almost, uh, or you don't like that term. It was, hey, introduction yes, to the Amico. It was their first, like, we have gameplay footage of who knows of what uh, back then. So they re-released that video. With a new coat of paint, literally, Tommy's skin hue is different. They did some color correction or grading on that. And they just swapped out those, like, a games little, that... A little tanner. They swapped out those games that we haven't heard of, like that one with, like, cats swinging swords or the duck coming out of the water or the running in television man game, stuff that we haven't heard of. They swapped it out with, with stuff that I guess is probably going to come out or is more cl- like the stuff that hasn't been abandoned. But why would they re-release a video like that that showed nothing almost nothing new on it that's what's so weird about it the timing of that as well um they said that there was a synced video that should host them uh and showed it side by side that's on youtube they linked to that work they're 95 percent the same video like why come out with it it shows no progress in the past two years basically on even the games that you're showing in both uh, of those videos um there's here's another one it talks about showing new games without showing completed old games is just as bad it's Sure. Um, last we heard for plans for an Amico exclusive sequel to famed 16-bit series Earthworm Jim came in the form of a brief animation demo reel posted in August 2020. The video includes one character running through a single backdrop, and the project currently has no release date. That was the only uh, ma- uh, mainstream fan fair before E3 that uh, Intellivision ever got, and it was, a, it was a demo of a running cycle. That was ridiculous. Uh, then there's more about talking about Wii U comparisons in its um in its uh in the dev docs, which is really strange. Uh, having a touch screen and physical buttons and input disc uh has also not been utilized. The Wii U failed miserably. I don't know I, I don't know why you'd bring up something that like is the closest comparison to your console that you brought up before, but still the like the, right. like why would you uh do that? Talks about the input disc. Um and then it gets into something that I briefly touched upon that we haven't really talked in the detail since this is a, a government regulated uh, SEC 
uh, Securities Exchange uh, Commission regulating now this this investment about the public face of this campaign and investment and the information coming out has to be 100% truthful if this is something that is SEC regulated. And this is starting now, this is being brought up uh, here. Um, Jay Allard, we brought up Jay Allard before in the past. He used to work for Microsoft. Um, he worked on the Xbox. He worked on the Zune. He was uh, brought on board around, was it spring of 2020? It was, it was fanfare. Phil Spencer even tweeted out, yeah. Hey, best of luck to my pal, Jay Allard. Best of luck. And they, there was literally YouTubers that that lauded this as this means the Amico is going to be huge. The guy that worked on the Xbox. Jay Allard uh, was a global marketing director, was gone, it seems like, within months. He was no longer within television. And did an interview later saying someone caught up to him because it got out like, wait, what happened to this guy? That... It wasn't a good fit. He was professional. He didn't get into any background. He was gone relatively quickly. However, Jay Aller's name was still being used to promote investment. Until Until earlier this year, I think. Yes. He was definitely, if you go to the fake site. We constantly brought up, why is is Jay Aller still on there? Right. On the fake campaign, is he still there today? I'm checking right now if he's still there today, Jay Aller. I don't think he is. Um. I know in the Republic he was taken off. Jay Allard is still on the Fig campaign. Oh wow! The one that the one they originally put up. Jay Allard is third in line. You have Tommy, CEO, Hans Ippich, President, European. Jay Allard, Global Marketing Director, and that's is still on there. That's still on there. Can Fig still accept money for this? No, it transferred to Republic. Oh, okay, but but his name was attached to this, uh, you know, at one point in time, and it's still on there. Republic. I believe he was originally on the Republic one until someone said, why is he still on there? And it was taken yes, off. That's right. Yeah. So, so definitely by the Republic campaign, which started in April, Jay Aller's name should never have been used to help get a dime. This is an SEC regulated investment. You cannot misrepresent an investment that is being governed, being regulated literally by the government. And you Tommy's been shady and slimy about this the whole time, saying that, oh, that wasn't what he, he was. He was contracted to do a couple of specific jobs in that in, in that contract work expired. Global communications director, marketing is, director, global yeah. marketing director is not a you were commissioned to do a couple of things and then that contract ran out. So you're gone. That's someone you brought on for name recognition value who was going to add something direct to your team. Why did they leave? So why, why wasn't it a good fit? So uh, uh, Sam comes out and straight, straight says it. The Amico team could also be in regulatory hot water if its timeline and associated with, associate, association with Jay Allard isn't resolved. A March 2021 video presentation to angel investors, which is linked here, a, a sleazy, sleazy uh, website called Neil Patel's Private Deal Room. Uh, where it's one of those things where, hey, get it, get in, get in, in the inside crowd, invest in the stuff I picked out. They did a sleazy infomercial that Tommy appears on in order to sell it, I guess, to Neil Patel subscribers. Uh, according to this article, it was recorded after Allard's last public statement about Amico and reviewed by Ars Technica includes a pledge, this video, that the co-founder of Xbox has been making huge, huge contributions to the Amico team. You can't do that 
You can't if the guy's been gone, you can't say that to potential investors. You this can't is, do that. This is where that's a legal thing now we're getting into. This is where Tommy's trying to buy clout is going to bite him in the ass. You can't do that, Tommy. This isn't just me saying that. You cannot say things like that to investors. You cannot misrepresent to investors. You can't. This can get you into literal legal trouble, stuff like this. That, that's ridiculous. System was originally uh, supposed to launch in October 2020, five months before that solicitation to investors uh, was filmed. By October, Allard was gone. He was gone by the fall. He was gone. Can't do a video five months after a guy, at least after he's gone, um, that, hey, he's making huge contributions. Right. You can't do that. And, and if so, if I'm an investor, I want to say, what did he contribute? Yeah, I want Tell to. me. I, I, gave you, I gave you five grand or whatever. I gave you 20 grand. I gave you 10 grand. I want to know what Jay Allard contributed. If this, is, if this is what you're using to pitch to me now after the fact, I want to know. I want to see concrete proof that, he, that what, he's, what he's worked on. That's a fair question. That's not an outlandish thing to want to see. You're using him to, to get investors? What did Jay Allard work on? Now I'm curious if there's other people that are being uh, uh, either in that. I haven't gone through that entire uh, pitch video or, or, or the other people on the Republic page. I want to know who else is being uh, propped up as being a contributor and if they're actually contributing. That opens the door. I want to know who's actually wor- been working on this project. That's fair. This is a SEC-regulated investment. These are fair questions to ask, Ian. I agree. So the comments are funny because, like, we take it for granted. We've been following this for years. No, I now. know. It's and that's and this, these are uh, people I'm, seeing this for the first time. I wish I was a bit more excited, but it, it's 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 nice to see this, especially come from um, you know a place like Ars Technica that highly is, respected, highly respected. But this is this is stuff that has been known. This is stuff that has been known to people who have followed it, and that's not a knock at any journalist who is just not finding it. It's not. It's just I'm, I'm glad that it's finally being compiled and presented in these articles that are far less rambly Because we're just idiot me. podcasters. I'm just a, a shithead who stutters through podcasts. We're just drunken podcasters. Uh, some of the top comments, these are, again, people seeing this for the first time and giving their you know, unfiltered opinion by being presented the facts by, from Sam here. The smoke and mirrors talk about Jay Allard smells kind of scammy slash chaotic. Yeah. Um, it's going to be hard enough to convince consumers to purchase the device, but how are they going to convince developers to design games limited in such specific ways on a console that's also going to have an extremely small audience? We said that as well. Like, would you be dumb to make something exclusive to this console? If you're working on a game for two years, we're going to make it exclusive to a console that might only sell to like Tommy's going to say, say fit, take 50% of your in the thousands if you're lucky sales. Sure. Someone was uh, questioning the Wii, Wii U comparison about how the consoles are set up. Holy DOA, Batman. Um, yeah, this is stuff that's been common sense to a lot of us following this, but it's just nice to get, not that we need affirmation that we're not crazy, but when you see random people who have never heard about this stuff in journalists, basically line up with your opinions, what you've been saying, you know, lockstep for, for years. It's nice. It is nice to be like, hey, we're not wrong when it comes to this stuff. We're not wrong. Um, I think the, that the fully understand this mess, this is from Super Chuko. Uh, aged R's veteran. I think that to fully understand this mess, you have to be aware that Tommy Talrico is an egomaniac. The point of this system is is not to serve an actual niche. It's just so this this guy can say he he made video game hardware. 
It goes back to us saying, why not just have this, uh, put your games on another platform like the Switch? Right. Why not just do that? Be, be, a, be, a, be a dev. You know, be a publisher uh, for, for the Switch or other consoles. Yeah. So uh, check it out. Great job by Sam. Kudos, Sam. For, you, 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 uh, article. You, you found some stuff that we were not aware of. Dev Portal stuff is interesting. Uh, sleazy investment pitch video for March. Uh, not shocking at all. Mm-mm. To discover that being a thing, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, it's, you know, it's good when you try to keep these things, uh, you hide these things from people, you know, right. you don't want to, you know, that you get some, some guy that, you know, the, you know, the can't lose investments, spend money to find out what I'm investing in. And you can too. That's just disgusting. Gross garbage. So, all right. Disgusting. Anything else to add here? No. All right. All right, Ian, we have a, we got a Patreon, don't we? Patreon.com slash C podcast. You go, you put in uh, some monies, you get stuff in returns, you get writings, you get uh, hangouts, you get the full video podcast, and you get these Q&A poll topics. Oh, you do, Ian. And we love the Q&As. All right. In first place, ah, in second place. Arcade games that you cannot beat as a child that others could. 44%. We're getting closer splits on these on these two-way races. I like this. And then in first place, 56%. Games that remind you of a dark time in your life. Um, so I, I don't actually have a lot, but I have one good example. I don't have a lot of games. I'm sure that there were games that I turned to in my youth when that like when things were going poorly. Um that probably had a negative connotation for a while, but I've outgrown a lot of it. Um, there's not a lot that I can't play. There's not a lot of music I can't go back to because I associate it with a bad time. But uh, the ColecoVision is a system that I cannot play anymore. Um, I, I think I might finally be getting to the point where maybe I could give it a shot, but uh, I, I, I abandoned the ColecoVision for a long, long time because of it reminding me of a, a certain... Uh, event um basically this this is actually more recent in my life not like super recent but this is in my adult life uh this happened during the time i was living in san diego i was working at luna video games and i'd wanted a ColecoVision for a while and i got one and i took it home and that night was really like the beginning of the end for me and my uh ex-girlfriend who i was dating the one you dated when i first moved here or just about? Uh, I don't think I was dating anyone officially when you first moved here. Or okay, before Maybe. that. Um, so uh, that was when our like relationship started to uh, fall apart, and it was not. It wasn't pretty. Was it quick? Was it a quick descent? It was a little, little dragged out. Okay. Um, you know, is that bad when you know it's going to end, but it's like you're not at the end yet? Yeah. And you know it's going to be done. And I, I still talk to this person from time to time and like, you know, we're on, you know, speaking terms and whatnot, but um, it was not a particularly great moment for either of us. And I uh, associated with the ColecoVision, like I said, specifically because I remember bringing it home and then that night getting into an argument about something completely unrelated to the unrelated to the ColecoVision. And my only memory of really playing the ColecoVision as an adult, as a person who had one, was during this period of time where our relationship was falling apart. So after I moved out and moved into my apartment, I, uh, you know, I was 
I, I no longer had the same amount of roommates that I usually had. Rent was higher. I was going through a couple things to sell to get rid of, and I looked at the ColecoVision, and it was the easiest thing I had ever gotten rid of. And it's a shame, because I do like the ColecoVision. I like the games on the ColecoVision. I think it's an interesting system. Um, but yeah, I just haven't really... The few times that a ColecoVision has come back into Luna, and I've gone, do I want this? I'm like, eh. And then I start thinking about what a pain in the ass that time was. And I'm like, no, someone else can buy it. So yeah, that's the weird one but, but for Lady, me. But Ladybug is so pure. Ladybug's a great game. It fills your heart. Mousetrap, Ian. Carnival. It's a good system. The, not to go off on a, how much I love the ColecoVision tangent. Ooh. Uh, looks like Tommy is threatening to send a legal team after ours. Keep going. Oh, what? Is that breaking while we're on Twitter? Yeah, sorry. Oh, wow. Okay. That's going to work out. Um, <laughs> wow, I got thrown off uh, there. Someone just DM'd me and said that it looks like Tommy's trying, but I don't see any proof of that. Okay. I'll cut that from the audio podcast. <laughs> All right. Um, so this, unfortunately, is tied to something that I really haven't brought up before on the podcast. My, my fraternity stuff. Um, I haven't made a lot of like mistakes that in my life that I like really, really regret. Uh, joining a fraternity is probably number one of like my life regrets where I'm like, yeah, that was stupid. That was dumb. And it's not like joining a fraternity was all bad. Um, I, I did make a couple of friends. My roommate, uh, uh, was roommate freshman year. Um, but then we joined a fraternity, fraternity Rocco, who was a swimmer. I, I, I haven't kept up with him, but he was always a nice guy. A few other people. For the most part, 90% of the people in my fraternity are, were fucking scumbags and people I would not say hi to if, if I saw them today. Oh, yeah, absolutely not. I can only maybe, I can maybe, 90, maybe not 90, 80%. It's like th- four out of five would be like, I don't want to do any, have anything to do with you. I don't give a shit if we, if we spent years together in the same fucking house. For, I don't fucking care. So the games I always associate with, are unfortunately, are games I enjoy. Um, Unreal uh, came out like early my freshman year of college. Talked about how at college, um, we had the T1 landlines. It was the Wild West of the internet. Napster was you know the Wild T1 landlines. Ninety-eight Wild West. That was like a no beyond cutting edge in ninety-eight. People still had fifty-six K modems. Um, and we had our where is and 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 we shared. We you know we had the shared. Porn and games and music. For some reason, they they allowed a network to, on Where's. our floor. Where's yeah, where the Juarez? Juarez. <laughs> Pat might have had a Juarez server on IRC. Who Where's. knows? I mispronounced it many uh, throughout my youth. So that was the Wild West. So of course, we all got Unreal and played Unreal. Imagine, imagine before this, like not having first. I mean, most people hadn't played probably a first-person shooter over the internet before '98. At least being this this um, solid. I mean, I remember trying to play. Duke Nukem 3D or Doom, and it was it was okay on the 50s came modem. It wasn't great. It was okay. You could play it, but on a T1 landline, you're connected up. Eight guys playing Unreal, like four on four. Holy shit, was that fun? We'd play for hours sometimes. So that reminds me that because I that's when I got into it while I was also pledging the fraternity. Pledge the fraternity. What is that like? Spring of 2000 was at 99. Uh, pledge, and there'd be times playing. Where you get the call. If you're in a fraternity back then, you got the call. Um, and, it, and where I went, it was a pretty big fraternity in Greek life school. You get the call from someone at the frat saying, get your ass up here. You have 10 minutes. Um, and then Rocco down the hall would get it. So I had to stop playing the game. You literally had to stop what you're doing. You run up. They did what's called a lineup. 
What's a lineup, Ian, you ask? A lineup is they line you up. You can't look at, at any of the brothers' faces. Heads down, hands, you know, hands down, and they just fucking berate you for like 45 minutes straight. Yeah. They get in your face. Like they're like wannabe drill sergeant. I lived above uh, a frat house. I used to have to listen. Above? To you were, they actually had it connected like to a dorm? Uh, so, no, it was um, my apartment. Like my part, my second apartment was above a storefront. And then behind it was a frat house apartment. It was essentially like, okay. a, yeah. And yeah, ours was to, actually, it was a house. Yeah. No, not everyone yeah. was. Some so, of them were just large apartments. <laughs> yeah. So they line you up and they be, you know, they yell at you, they berate you. And it didn't like they even if like they, they like make you make tests about knowledge of the fraternity, who the fuck cares? But they'd be like, oh, you didn't clean this properly. It was just an excuse to yell at you. Yeah, of course. Because for the most part, most of us as when we pledging weren't fuck ups. We did. We cleaned the house. You're required to clean the house because you have to clean the house when you're when you live there. That's understood. They didn't hire a maid or whatever. Some, some houses did. Um, so they would yell at you. They make you do push ups um, and things like that. So whenever I think of Unreal, I think about that. Because sometimes even that was late. They would do that at like one in the morning. One in the fucking morning. Oh, yeah. Would it would that. be late. Um, they would do that. Or if they want to be sadistic, they would call you back right after you got back. Oh, we yelled at you 45 minutes? Come back up. We'll yell at you another 45 minutes. So it's, it's torture. It's psychological torture. They're trying to inflict on you. At this point, I'm like, well, you're kind of stuck with it at that point. Because they do it in a way where like you, you have to make yourself, if you, if you pledge, it's understood you're, you have housing at the house, you, you're no longer eligible then for the regular uh, on-campus housing. You have to try to find your own. So they, they kind of fuck you. You're kind of forced at that point for the most part. Right. When it comes to complication. So that's why whenever I think of Unreal, it's like hard to detach from that time because that was awful. Plus, I tore my ACL that yeah, spring. So, that, I'm, yeah. so I'm pledging the fraternity on a torn ACL playing intramural basketball as well. So I was like, that's a, that was bad. And then it goes into sophomore year. I don't, I won't, I'll leave the other – I'll leave the story where I almost died in the fraternity for another time. Because that's a, that's a whole other thing. I don't want to get into that. Um, so sophomore year, um, it turned into I was depressed, really depressed, because I had the surgery. I rehab I rehab the hell out of it. The guy said I was the best re- or quickest rehab he ever saw. I rehabbed the hell of it, but I still fell into like being depressed. I hated being in the fraternity. So I only like I only liked like four. Even our our pledge class out of like the thirteen fourteen guys, fifteen guys, I liked like four of them. Like, like four of them. That, like, okay, I can hang out with you and talk to you guys. So I felt like I was like an outcast, and I didn't hide the fact that I didn't like anyone really, especially the, the seniors and juniors. I didn't like them that much because they just abused you for months. How can yeah. you like them after that? A lot of the guys that pledge are like, oh, yeah, that's just the way it works. Not me. I'm not like that. You can't break me. I'm not, that doesn't work with someone like me. It doesn't work. I'll just fucking hate you, and I'll live with you, but I'll hate you. So like, it was awkward because when, so- when you're a software, they can't do anything to you. They can't. They can't uh, make you drink anything or hit you or whatever. Not that I, I don't think I was ever hit. We, other houses actually abused, like physically abused. It didn't, that didn't happen here. But then they made you drink. That's still, that's still abuse. Um, so sophomore year, the games I played, I put on like 35, 40 pounds my sophomore year. I ballooned up after the surgery. Not just because of the surgery. I was listless. But we, I enjoyed playing Rogue Spear. Rainbow Six Rogue Spear. Played it on, you know. With, with some of the sophomores and, and, and other, uh, the, you know, the people like that. And so, like, and Worms Armageddon. So those other games where I'm like, that's where I played a ton of it was, you know, like sophomore year at, uh, at the frat house. And, like, those that was bad. That, like, year and a half span of, like, um, last semester, freshman year, and the entire sophomore year, that was bad from, like, 
age 19 to like almost yeah age 19 to like 20 and a half we'll just say that was that was that was really bad time in my life i'll i'll tell i'll tell more about my paternity stuff in the future when when it's appropriate but fuck them fuck you guys fuck them yeah whenever i talk about the fraternity stuff people say i couldn't picture being a fraternity i'm like yeah me neither not i'm not the personality for it uh to, to be into that shit but you know how they get you ian Hey, you're gonna get girls and you're gonna have fun. It's like when you're when you're 18 years old and and, and never with, with women that works. It does. Where you, where you don't fit in. Here, here's a group of guys that are automatically your friends. Right. Like 35, 40 guys that are gonna be your friend. They're not gonna be your friend. They're not gonna be your friend. It's bullshit. Fraternities are largely bullshit. All bullshit. I hear once in a while. Oh, the service fraternities. I'm like, yeah. Okay, there's probably a few exceptions. A large chunk of them are bullshit. And sororities, a large part are bullshit. But the soror- sororities torture girls as well, from what I heard, in different ways. I won't get into that. They, they, they did that stuff as well. All right, well, that's, that was some darkness. A lot of darkness. You want to hear about my, my, my near-death experience in the future? No. You don't want to hear about it? Uh, in the future, sure. <laughs> You're done with it right now? I'm, I'm done with it right now. Uh, Ian, we got voicemails. We do. Uh, we go to you go to anchor.fm slash to see your podcast and you can leave us messages and tell us how much you like or you hate us. Hopefully it's not hopefully it's not the the latter. Hopefully it is the uh the former. Hey Pat and Ian, it's Nick in Indianapolis, Indiana. Quick question. Nintendo Switch has a lot of games out physically already. There's companies like limited run games and super rare games. That are fairly new to the market of video game collecting. Do you think these Switch games with outrageous prices already will continue climbing in value? Do you think collectors will want to seek out these games in the future with already thousands of physical games on the platform? Thanks. Well, it's, always not, it's not thousands of physical not games. Not thousands. There's, there's thousands of games. There's thousands of games. Yeah. There's hundreds of, of um, games. Yeah, I do think the prices will keep going up. Uh, open pre-orders, I think, in my opinion, more or less absolves limited run of, you know, uh, any blame here. If you want it, you've got a long time to get it. Um, all games are limited to a certain degree. You know, and it's, it's like we said, I hated the messaging that Nintendo put on the Super Mario 3D World. Uh, yeah, or six or months. Super Mario 3D All-Stars. But that's... That's like any game, though. That's any game that's getting one print run. It's it's not that crazy. So if you pay... T- but yes, uh, we have seen, even with open pre-orders, some of these games are continuing to go up in price and sell for um, high amounts. And I think that will. And my reason for that is I think the Switch is the first time in a long time... Um, I, there's something about the switch that feels collectible and that's not just me, but my boss recently got into my boss and my friend Treg recently got back into game collecting through the switch. He's all about it, buying up switch games. And I think a lot of people do, uh, you know, I don't buy physical games for my PS4. Um, I don't buy physical stuff on my PC, obviously, but I still like to buy physical on the switch when I can. There's something I like about collecting for it. And as long as there is a collector's market, you are going to see good games, that have lower print runs than what we may have been seeing, uh, you know, for actual mass release AAA titles. Uh, yeah, the prices are going to get expensive. Hey, this question is for Pat. Uh, my name's Ed. I just wanted to know if uh, you could confirm the origin of two of your trademark asides, uh, one being lately and the other one being evolution. Thank you. Oh, the evolution is a mystery. It's a song from the Evolution Group. Oh, was that like early two thousands with Randy Orton, Dave Batista, uh, Ric Flair, and Triple H? 
So, so and then lately, but lately, did you ever hear a clan? Is that what I do with that sometimes? Lately, is that what it, did I ever do lately? Ian? No? No. Is, uh, I, okay. I think that's what I probably, I probably did that once or twice. That's where it comes from. All right. Next. Hey, Pat and Ian. This is Sean from Youngstown, Ohio. I was just curious. Where Bundy's if you from? think that third party controllers have met or exceeded OEM expectations now that technology is improved. Uh, I asked this especially because I saw the new Retro Fighters controllers for the N64, and they look pretty nice. You guys run a great podcast. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks, Sean. I would say, I think, yeah, I think we've gotten over the decades that third-party stuff has slowly crept up to, we, to like, catch up. We have, in, in my experience, yeah, I think we have gotten to the point where um, most third-party stuff is... We're getting to the point where there there is comparable, at the very least, there's comparable third-party controllers to replace your old vintage gaming controllers. Um, the stuff that I've been able to check out from Retrobit and, yes, provided to me, you know, to check out, um, I've been really happy with all of that. I am less happy with Hyperkin in terms of a percentage of their stuff that is good, but the stuff that they do make that is good. So within is, their run, it's some, some the quality varies. Well, no, no, it, it's more like not even within the run. Oh. It's like I can stand behind like their um, their N sixty four controllers. They call them cadets. The cadet controllers, okay. really good. I've had no problems with them. No one's ever brought them back. They're very similar in shape to the originals. The one They've in the clan nice, shell packaging. No, it's it's in a cardboard box. Okay. Um, they're like really nice controllers and everyone seems to love them. There are definitely things I've tried from limited run or limited run. Um, Hyperkin that I don't like. I don't like their, uh, their, um, TurboGrafx 16 controller. Okay. The D pad sucks, but, uh, but there are definitely, I think for every retro system out there, there is probably a good third party solution for you. Got it. Next. Hey, what's up, Pat and Ian. This is Brad from Orange County, California. I was just listening to the episode where uh, Ian was talking about good cover-based shooters, and he talked about Tom Clancy's The Division. I haven't played that one, but I'm a huge retro gamer, and the one that I love is uh, Winback for the Nintendo 64. Uh, and, uh, Pat might have even reviewed it for a certain upcoming N64 guidebook. What? But anyway, it's a it's a great, great cover-based shooter. So Winback. Uh, Everyone's I, told I, me to play it, and I haven't I yet. haven't played that, but if it's cover-based, that's interesting. So I don't know if the N64... Besides that, what would it have with a cover-based shooter? Nothing. It's probably unique to the system. But wow. everyone's always told me to play with that. I did not review that. And no, thank I'm you curious. for reminding me. I will definitely attempt to do that next That's, time I see a copy come in. I think that was reviewed already. I do not have that one. Um, I did not take any first-person or third-person shooters. I wanted to, but I was like, eh, I'll let others uh, handle that. But I was I was curious about it. GoldenEye still up for grabs. Someone's going to get do GoldenEye. Hey, Pat, Ian. Uh, just a quick hypothetical. Uh, had Super Mario Bros. 2 uh, Japan come to the U.S. circa 86, would it have been a black box game? <laughs> it have been a black box game. <laughs> it probably would have. It probably would have. I'm trying to think. There were no sequels that were black box games. There were none that like, hey, this is the second one. Yeah. Right, Junior doesn't count. That was an earlier arcade. Right. It was already I thought about the time. It wasn't like an Ice Climber 2. <laughs> that's, that's what I mean. Uh, or Donkey Kong 3. Next. Hey, Pat and Ian. This is Andrew from Buffalo. Got a quick Woo! question for Ian today. 
What's up? Ian, as we all know, you're Buffalo's favorite son. Oh. So if someone like Melinda Gates were to approach you and offer to finance a run for the mayor of the city, mayor. what would you do? Would you run? He's going to run for mayor. <laughs> That'll be a day. Um, well, if you won, what would you do? Would you give Pat the key to the city? Raise taxes on your childhood bully? Decree that the Anchor Bar's wings are actually overrated? Oh. I'm very interested to find out. <laughs> also, Pat, how would you run your spoiler campaign against him? Well, either way, guys, thanks a lot for the great show and keep them coming. No, so there's some inside Buffalo humor there. Um, yeah, I, I, what I, no, I probably would not actually run for uh, mayor. I have no real interest in politics. <laughs> um, but that's a fun question to think about. Mayor. I would actually, uh, but to touch on something, I would actually declare Anchor Bar's wings just fine. Oh, okay. um, so here's the deal. Uh, for a long time. So in Buffalo, lots of places make wings. Lots of places make great wings. But it always falls down to, if you want to go to the, look at the classic battle, it's between Anchor Bar, the supposed birthplace of wings, and Duff's. And I have always fallen on Team Duff's when it comes to which wings are actually better. I think Duff's knock Anchor Bar out of the water. Never thought Anchor Bar had bad wings, but compared to other you know, places you could go, there are just always better places to go. However, there is one other Anchor Bar location in Anaheim, and it opened, I want to say, within the past few years. And when I went up there for a baseball game recently, uh, my buddies and I, uh, four out of the five of us, all being from Buffalo, went to the Anchor Bar and got wings. And you know what? I, I'm sure part of it is because I have been out of Buffalo for so long and finding actual good wings in San Diego is impossible. Um, their wings were a lot better than I, I, I gave them credit for. Okay. I'm still a Duff's guy, but Anchor Bar's wings, they're fine. They're fine. Okay. Oh, also, I'm really big into India Walton, um, and it looks like she's going to be the next mayor of Buffalo. The, the the Buffalo listeners are going ecstatic right now, Ian. They're like, yes, Ian, you tell, you tell the wings like it is <laughs> to yeah. us. All right, next. Hey, Pat and Ian, this is Dee from South Carolina. My husband has a massive game collection and has an app on his phone which keeps track of the value <laughs> of each individual game but categorizes by console as well. The problem is... He changes password on his phone. Okay. So how am I supposed to access the app to sell his games if anything happens to him? <laughs> Wait a minute, D. 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 Why do you have the, the you have the password to, to the phone? Were you supposed to have the password? Okay, that's how it is. Okay. Um. Oh man, this is what I'm gonna say. We brought this before. What happens if like someone dies and you got to sell these games? You're in a, it's it's not easy. It can be overwhelming. If I if I pass away, you know. Uh, would my would my family hire Ian to like help sell all this shit? I mean, how would like you'd have to hire someone you trust that wouldn't just like rob you blind, right? And be like, oh, Ian can be like, oh, you know, I'm not saying you do it, but like if you hire somebody like, oh, this game is worth nothing, I'll just take this one, and you take fucking magical chase. You know, like you have to trust someone to, to be honest that would also help you price all this stuff. We're talking, you know, thousands of unique stuff where like you may not be selling thousands of unique things. But you got to still pick out the ones that are valuable and sell them separately. You have to help the people out. Yeah, it's a, you're in a tough spot. You're in a tough spot. It's rough. That's the only thing I can say. You got to hire someone, or else you trust the local game store to just give you, a, you know, pennies in the dollar. Just take it all away and give me like twenty five or thirty percent cash, maybe, maybe. But you probably won't even get that deal if it's a lot of stuff they don't want. I don't know. Depends also how good the stuff is, I guess. Right? Yeah. Why look at me like that? You think about if you have to take care of the stuff if I keel over? You're like, Pat, please don't die. I, I really want to talk about Tommy Tallarico threatening legal action right now. Oh, go for it, Ian. This is, wait a minute. Oh, is this an update? 
Yeah. Update. So, so a previous segment. Um, this, this segment? is this is pretty impressive. Uh, he is. Let me just find that link again. Here it is. In response to Sam Mekovich actually posting the article himself, Tommy Tallarico responded, and I'm sure I'm sure with plenty of, no smiley emojis. Uh, oh surprisingly. no. So he's serious. Uh, way to post copywritten confidential information, not for the public as well as other info that is false. We'll make sure the folks at Ars Technica are aware. Legal income. Legal incoming. Enjoy. That is a dude having a big wet shit on the internet. Uh, there is no leg for you to stand on. It's your fault you didn't fucking secure your own information. He's simply reporting on the information he had. He, and you are you are asking for a pile on at this point. You are not going to get far with that. Uh, you think you Tommy. can keep bullying people yeah, around, Tommy, no. but you can't. No, you are not getting this, far. This, this a bully report, fucking... A reporter is allowed to report on things. That yes. is not illegal. You, this will get laughed at. This will get laughed at. Sorry, back to back to our regularly scheduled, uh, regularly scheduled stuff. Where were we just at? Uh, the value. Okay, next. Hey uh, guys, Army of the Dead has been on Netflix for more than a week now. Ian, you can't just say you're going to watch a Zack Snyder film and then not give us a review. You're right. We await what you have to say. Well, this, may, well, should be, should, should this be the first? Uh, should be the first of our movie, movie segment. Movie. Yeah. All right. Should we watch it together and record a commentary? Or just or just uh, we got to watch it. God, you're gonna make me watch a Zack Snyder movie. You're gonna do that. All right. Next. Hey Pat. Hey Ian. It's Fuck Sandra from New Jersey, renowned voice actress, according to Ian. Yeah. What? I was listening to the segment the other day <laughs> about Comic Con pronouncing Smash Brothers. Listen, the only con I know these days is the con of my ex convincing me to date him for a year. Oh. Let me tell you, the only smash he was doing was on a CRT. <laughs> so anyway, Jam. I heard you two talking about SNES and SNES, and I can't help but have some opinions. First of all, Super NES is like five syllables, which is the same as saying Super Nintendo. So what's up with that? Just say Super Nintendo. You think you're fancy or something? I love this, by the way. I love this shtick. <laughs> this is good. good. Hold on. And you know what me and my brothers, that's right, my brothers, not my bros, would say? We'd say sneeze because we'd be like, hey, let's go play something on the Z sneeze. Now that I think about it, that was around the time I worked in the bagel shop. And Pat, that reminds me, we always called it Taylor Ham. All that talk of pork roll, and I didn't know what you were on about. Yeah, that's some good stuff, though. And wait, how much time? <laughs> All right. I'm not familiar with this individual, Voxandro. They're, um, they're a streamer and a very fun person to follow on, um, on Twitter. I will say that I, 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 I love the attempt at the Jersey accent. You're probably not from Jersey, though, but I like the attempt at, at like the North Jersey accent, like the she, Dago accent. She, she, uh, she picked the accent, though, and um, stuck with it. Uh, it did okay. not fluctuate. That's where I'm going to give some points there. No, that's very uh, good. Unlike our Australian friend who Dago? tried to do it, but, hey, Dago, but hey, couldn't I'll... get any consistency. No, that was good. That's, she was very consistent a... with the Jersey did, accent. No, that's if you if, if you weren't if you did, if you told me that person wasn't a voice act, uh, actor actress, I, I would I believe I. Yeah, they, they they're the also not. That's a running joke. They said oh, they were it? doing voice acting for something, and I was like, "Oh, really? Congratulations!" And they were like, "No, I'm not actually doing it." Did you listen to the clip I posted? And it was them doing a Jersey accent. That's and actually it, that's a that's a bad, that's a good cartoonish. That's like a Jersey accent you hear in The Simpsons. I like, like your that's voice. A, you have a nice voice. That's a, uh, you know, what's up with that? Uh, no, I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, we'll do a couple more. Hey guys, this is Tim from Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, love the podcast. Working the steel mill. 
I love this. You get Jersey, you get Kentucky, you get Buffalo, <laughs> you get the UK. We're international. Oh, sorry. Steel Mill, so you guys have got me through a few long 12-hour nights. Steel Mill, awesome. Uh, my question is regarding graded games. Do you think companies like WADA and other grading companies, do they have an obligation to do population reports for the games they grade? Uh, it just seems like a few were bidding on a game and come to find out there was thousands of that grade. Uh, would make it worse a lot, a lot less. So interesting to hear what you have to say and keep up the good work. No one's listening to me about this anymore. I don't think we've got any friends left at, at WADA for commenting. We never had friends at WADA, yeah, technically. Uh, for commenting on you know some of the things that I've found odd. Uh, but yes, I do think uh, a population report would go a long way to making this feel better. It, it'd be ethical. If they had ethics, they would do it. They know. They know it passes through their, their grading warehouse. They have the numbers internally. I can probably guarantee you. But the reason why they don't release them is because then you'd realize, wait a second, there's how many billions of, of sealed Atari Spider-Man <laughs> games out there that anyone can look up anytime. And then therefore you won't be bidding thousands of dollars and then you won't have everyone else sending in all their time. It would hurt their business to file population reports. That's the answer. It wouldn't help them in any way. It would just hurt them. The only way you can actually, okay, it could, it could help if there was like weird esoteric titles that I looked up. Hey, I got this copy of Winter Games laying around sealed that I bid on by accident. And uh, are there any others that are being created? Oh, there's only two? Maybe this is rare. So there, there could actually be some help, I think, to the market. But it would overall be, I think, a net negative, I think. Yeah. You agree? Like, it'd probably be a net negative overall if they released every population number for every game? I, the value would certainly drop, yes, I think. And then if the value drops, you get less people likely to get them graded. Because then why would I get it graded if that game's rolling? There's like a billion of those Spider-Man games, and it's only worth $200 at this point. Why would I get it, you know, uh, graded? It makes sense. All right, one more? One more here. Tommy Tallarico has entered the chat. You know, I thought I explained with all this stock photo hullabaloo of Photoshop and Amico controllers into kids' hands that this is exactly what stock photos are used for. When you try to get real kids to play your game system, and they just immediately start crying <laughs> for hours. And you can't yell at them because I tried that. I said, knock it off, you little monsters! This is a family system and you are having fun right now! That didn't work, though. I don't know why. I originally <laughs> wanted to get pictures of celebrities playing the Amico, but everyone said no celebrity would be caught dead with this thing, which is pretty harsh, but it turned a light bulb on in my head. Boom! Let's just dig up the dead ones. But then I realized everything's all politically correct now, and I'd get canceled, so I said, okay, put them back in the ground. <laughs> you guys are still welcome to come play, by the way. Got a partnership with Papa John's for a pizza. <laughs> Oh, Tommy. Oh. You scamp, Tommy. You, you lovable scamp. You, you trying to go after ours technical and, and, and your partnerships with Papa John's. Oh, that, that, that brought a smile to my face. Boom! Boom! All right. Is that it for the CU podcast? That's it. Wow, this was a this was a roller coaster in real time, Ian, this CU podcast. I'm feeling it's going to be an interesting couple of days for the Intellivision of me. Aren't you glad we covered this? And you didn't thought originally you didn't want to do that article. Hey, come on, Ian. 
It's fantastic stuff. Here we are. Remember, our career our careers end on the podcast whenever this system comes out. So, like, you know, we we got to cover till the end. That's that's the line, right there. All right, well, enjoy your week, everyone. You know, have some fun. Yeah, get get some fresh air. Be safe. And uh, summer is here. We got Fourth of July. Fourth of July is this weekend. When, right. When's the fourth? Sunday. Oh, that's always a good one because then you get the fifth off the next day. That's always a good one when you work for a living, like I used to. Uh, you know, in an office, you get that fifth off. You always want the, the Monday off. That's that's the key. Day. You always want the Monday off and not the Friday. You want the Monday off. You want to lean into that Sunday, get that extra day. That's my opinion, at least. All right, that's Ian. Bye. Ian's, Ian's been, been been very um, distracted by this Sorry. stuff in real time. You've been really distracted this the last half of this podcast. Yep. Oh, there's a lot. It's, 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 it's accelerating. Is it, oh, it's accelerating already? I can't wait. I can't wait to end the podcast to see what's happening on Twitter. Frank, Frank and Kelsey have already chimed in on it. Oh, boy. Uh, Tommy Tallarico's current tweet says, Ars Technic journalist Sam Red just illegally posted a bunch of confidential information about television in his ridiculous misinformed article. Yeah, misinformed. The private info had not for public use and confidential all over it. Unfortunately, legal action will need to be taken. Uh, Frank retweeted it just saying there's so much to unpack here. This rules. (laughs) God, I love Frank. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone.